Today's episode of The Ride is brought to you by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. For more information on the Mustang Heritage Foundation, go to mustangheritagefoundation.org. Welcome back to the Ride Podcast. I'm Michaela. And I'm Nicole. And this week we have a guest with the Mustang Heritage Foundation. We have Leah Sawyer who adopted a Mustang through the Mustang Heritage Foundation. And she just shares a little bit about her story and how other people can get involved with Mustangs. Because now more than ever they're growing as a breed to own and you know, we are highly encouraging people to adopt and to branch out and do fun things with their Mustangs, like show their Mustangs in various like branch horse classes and those types of things. So in this interview, you will learn how to do all of that. Yeah. And I think it's um, really important to talk about. There's a lot of really cool events happening where people take um, you know, essentially feral horses and get a certain amount of days to work with them and then show them in a competition of some sort. So I think that's, that's been a really cool thing to kind of help the breed get out to the public more. Um, and it's a really fun event. And, um, but yeah, we, we talk with Leah about all, all of that stuff and how she herself got involved with the Mustangs and, and, um, you know, her advice for people who might not have, um, any background working with Mustangs or, or feral horses and, um, you know, how you can get involved and what kinds of things you can do to, to help and, and, you know, adopt. Absolutely. So let's dive into some current events. I know one that I am super excited for and I'm going to be working closely with is the Arizona Fall Championship. They are going to be going on September 25th through October 1st. And thanks to Smart Pack, we are going to be your go-to behind-the-scenes action place to learn about all things Arizona Fall Championship. So between Instagram takeovers and articles and newsletters, just be on the lookout for all of those things because I think this year the Fall Championship is going to be huge, especially with the cancellation of Congress. Yeah, um, and Michaela had a chance to talk to the show producer, um, Doug Holes, a couple of days ago, and and he expressed a lot of excitement about this event. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I know so many people who are planning on going to the Congress who have now decided to go to Arizona, and it's at Westworld Arena in Scottsdale, which is an amazing facility if you've had the chance to go. I absolutely love it. It's huge. It's outdoors. You know, you're right up against the mountains and then you're only like five minutes away from, you know, good food. So it's um, it's going to be I think it's going to be really big. And like you said, we're going to do some Instagram table takeovers. We have some uh, some already lined up with a bunch of different world champion riders. So hopefully you can get a little behind the scenes of, of what they do to prepare for the event and, and just what it's like to compete at something like this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Kind of going off that and the Congress being canceled, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are really disappointed because that's a huge horse show. I've been there a ton. I've actually won the Congress. Um, 
it's it's a really special event. So anyway, one of the um, ideas that the Ohio Quarter Horse Association had was to partner with Tribute Equine Nutrition and launch the 20 Congress Trainer Award Program. So basically what they're doing is they're going to offer a $1,000 award to a different trainer each day that the 2020 Congress would have run. So that's from September 29th through October 25th. Basically, they're giving $1,000 away every day through September 29th through October 25th. So that's basically an entire month of people nominating their trainers and then them getting an award. You can visit qhcongressawards.com and fill out a brief entry form um, and then share how you've benefited from working with your trainer and why your trainer is worthy a, a recipient and um, share a significant memory from a past Congress. And then, you know, they also would love to get a photo because that's, I, I love looking at the old Congress photos because it's such a, it's such a highlighted event for many quarter horse owners. So anyway, if you have a hardworking trainer that deserves to win a thousand dollars, be sure to nominate them. Um, like I said, it's going to be going on for almost a whole month. So go for it. Send in your trainers, tell them how much you appreciate them. Yeah, for sure, because, I mean, we all love our trainers, but if you aren't lucky enough to work with a trainer all the time, we have a solution for you, and if you haven't already checked out Horse and Rider On Demand, we highly encourage you to do so now, because we have expanded in so many ways, and are continuing to expand, and I know I'm excited to work with all the trainers that we are working with currently and watching all of these videos that we have for you guys. It is really exciting and it is a great opportunity for those who aren't able to work with a trainer daily or even if you are able to work with a trainer, it's just an added bonus to work with somebody else. Yeah, we've we've listened to you guys and, and uh, you guys said that you wanted to have more events and disciplines on the on the platform and and so while we are continuing to work with Bud Lion and Brad Barkemeyer, who are very much still part of the on-demand and are considered, you know, our, our first experts that were to join the platform, um, we are expanding. We have Shaylee Lord for the Braille Racing, which is totally new. And she breaks down kind of the basics of, of what to expect when you start Braille Racing. And then we also have Kelly Altschweiger coming out, who she is a fitness expert. And I know a lot of people sit there and go like, what's a fitness expert doing on a horse platform. Kelly, who has been on the podcast and who has been a huge, huge contributor to horse and rider throughout the years is also a reigning um, rider. And she also does a lot of backcountry riding and outfitting and, and stuff like that. So she takes um, an approach to riding and, and lets you know how you can help strengthen your body outside of the saddle. Because if we were expect our horses to be in shape and fit and condition, we should expect the same out of ourselves. For sure. And then additionally, we have more health videos being added to the platform, which is super exciting. So even if you don't, you know, train with your horse and are looking to compete in a specific event or anything along those lines, you can still get some insight from some health experts. Yeah. And um, for anybody who doesn't know or hasn't had a chance to check out Horse and Rider On Demand, you can visit ondemand.horseandrider.com. There's a seven-day free trial. We would love for you to check it out and just give us your feedback, really, because this is a growing platform for us. And, you know, Michaela and I are kind of the the ones behind it all, creating the content. And, um, and so it's really important that we hear from you guys. And 
you let us know what you want to see more of. And so right now we've, we've heard from you guys and you know, the ranch riding still seems to be one of the biggest events that people are wanting to watch videos on. But um, you know, these guys are amazing horsemen and they're going to teach you how to be a better horseman or woman, um, even if you don't show. So I, I really love to emphasize, like, this is not for just for horse show people or, or people who are wanting to compete. This is for anybody who just wants to be a better horseman. Yeah, I mean, I know I watch some of the videos for myself, and I know I'm a barrel racer, so Shaylee would be the one that you would think I would obviously be drawn to. But no, I love watching Bud and Brad's videos because the things that they teach cross over into the barrel racing and basic horsemanship so well that it's just so great to learn from them and so that's just an example of how multiple events can watch videos and just build on that basic horsemanship concept on that note um let's dive into this interview i think you guys are really going to enjoy it um thank you to the mustang heritage foundation for for allowing us to share this story Today's episode and guest is brought to you by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. Nearly 50,000 wild horses and burros have been removed from public lands and are currently in holding pastures and corrals managed by the Bureau of Land Management. The Mustang Heritage Foundation is a 501c3 dedicated to placing these animals into private care and homes through innovative programs and events. The Mustang Heritage Foundation programs include the Extreme Mustang Makeover, which you are probably very familiar with, where trainers spend approximately 100 days training a wild Mustang to showcase the trainability and versatility of Mustangs and compete for cash and prizes, and the Trainer Incentive Program, also known as TIP, which we talk about in this interview, which engages talented horse trainers to help gentle Mustangs and place them in private care. Working in partnership with the Bureau of Land Management, the Mustang Heritage Foundation has placed more than 15,000 Mustangs into private care since 2007. If you want to learn more about the Mustang Heritage Foundation and find out how you can get involved, you can visit mustangheritagefoundation.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are here with Leah Sawyer, who is a rider based in Oklahoma, um, and she has a, a background with the, the Mustangs, and we met her through the um, Mustang Heritage Foundation, and her story is just really cool because uh, not a lot of people get to connect with mustangs and and really get to truly understand how they are as animals and and what makes them so special so thank you so much for coming on today and telling us a little bit more about mustangs and working with them and and you're just your history with them okay um well it's really interesting because my my history with with mustangs like it, being involved with them directly really started at the beginning of this summer um <laughs> thanks to COVID 19 
But before that, um, before all of that, I've always found Mustangs to just be something that, that I was really interested in. Um, and as a little girl, I would go to the Mustang Makeovers Camp Wildfires. I would do all of those. And I was just really fascinated with the trainers and the freestyles. And it was something that I really wanted to do, but I just did never really see it as a possibility. Um, and then I had a couple of friends who had Mustangs. And so I'd get to go ride theirs and, and things like that. But then this summer, because of because of COVID, I, I had some extra time um, at home in one place where it might be possible to do one of the training challenges. So through our friend Ann Souders, um, she got me set up with Mustang Heritage and I got to enter one of their tip challenges. Um, and I've gotten to ride with a bunch of different trainers and, and I've been really fortunate to, to get to do a lot of things to get to show some horses. But I don't come from a horsey family, so I, I never actually had a horse of my own. So so it was kind of surreal to, to get to do that and, and for my horse, my first horse to be a Mustang. Um, and it was just a, a really amazing experience that, that I got to do this summer through the Tip Challenge program um, and through Mustang Heritage. So, so, so let's back up to um, when you were a kid and you said that you got to do Camp Wildfire and you got to see the Extreme makeover, Mustang Makeovers in um, Fort Worth. Uh, can you kind of talk about like what what really sparked your interest the first time that you saw it? Like what what was it that made you say, I want to, you know, I want to be around these kinds of horses because not everybody gets that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think my mom, um, she found this camp and, and I was just really interested in horsey things. And so not being a horse person, like she would just get me involved in all things she could find. Um, that had to do with horses. So anyway, she she found this camp and, and we had no idea what the Mustangs were or anything. Um, but I think it was just seeing the way that these trainers were able to do things with their Mustangs that I, I'd just never seen before. <laughs> um, and part of that was that at that time, I, I hadn't had a lot of exposure um, to the horse industry. But I think the connection that people are able to create over the course of, of three months <laughs> um, is absolutely incredible. And I, I think that relationship that people are able to get with their horse in that amount of time is, is something that I really strive for. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about the Mustang Foundation and how you got involved with them and found them and what exactly they have done for you with the Mustangs? Sure. Um, I'm a fiddle player. My whole family is is musical. So we we've played at some of the Mustang events. We play Western music. Um, and one time I was playing with a friend at Loretta, Loretta Lynn's Ranch excuse me, uh, in Nashville, and we were playing at this trail ride, and there are a lot of Mustang people there who came up for, for this trail ride, and Jim and Ann Souders, who are, who are very involved with the Mustang Heritage Foundation, were there um, publicizing the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So we met them. And we just became really good friends with them. I found that the entire Mustang community is just very welcoming to, to newcomers. And, and they're just, they're such a sweet group of people. They've been very welcoming to me. Um, so that was definitely true when, when we first met Jim and Ann. And they really wrapped us into what they were doing. And, and they heard about, about my experience with horses. And Ann was like, well, you need to get a Mustang. And said, there's no way, like, I'm not in a position to do this right now. But every time we saw them, she'd say the same thing. Like, we're working on your Mustang. You need to get a Mustang. Um, and so finally this summer, um, it, it happened. And everyone was just so accommodating. I knew, 
I mean, I had to call a couple of times for questions and, and they were just great about that. They really helped me through the process. Um, and, and everyone that I talked to at the Mustang Foundation has just been amazing and so helpful. So what was the process like to, so did you adopt the Mustang? Is that what you did? And what was that process like? Yeah, I adopted my Mustang. Um, so it, act, it actually, it wasn't a, a huge process as far as that goes. Um, but I, yeah, I had to do some paperwork with, with, that had to do with my background with horses. And then I had to show them what the facilities that I had access to were like. Um, and then there are things like when you first get them, you have to have a, a fence that it's least, that is at least six feet high. So you have to like show what that's like and, and what your, what your pen is made out of and that kind of thing. And then I had to have two letters of recommendation from other equestrians who had to recommend me as a trainer. Um, yeah. And so then I sent it in for approval and, um, when, once I got approved, we went to Paul's Valley <laughs> um, with our stock trailer and, and pulled in and they just, for because of COVID, they couldn't actually go out and, and take pictures of the Mustang. So they just sent you their number and um, where they were from. And I had no idea, like some people can kind of tell the demeanors of the horses based on where they're gathered from. Um, and I, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> so um, I just, I got a little bit of help, but, but I just kind of randomly put my numbers down and, and um, anyway, they they pulled the one out that I asked for, and yeah, we they loaded her in the chute. So anyway, yeah, it was it was a very easy process. <laughs> wow, that's that's really cool though. Like you you didn't have any photos or anything. You just like there was some kind of intuition there that was like this is the one that I want to get. Um, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the horse that you ended up adopting? Yeah, um, I named her May, and she's a little bay filly. Um, my dad draws caricatures and she's there in the background. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, so I, yeah, she's a little bay filly named May. And when I first picked her up, I thought she was really small for a yearling. Um, but as I got around these other Mustangs, I, I realized she was actually a pretty good size and she's just been so sweet from the very beginning. That's something that really surprised me because I'd been told that sometimes these Mustangs are a little harder to get your arms around and they've just they're they're kind of a a little smarter about things because they've been out in the wild and she definitely has a really good mind and and that that's probably has something to do with her um, living out in the wild but she's just I mean she doesn't have any kick or bite to her at all like she's just always really wanted to learn um and yeah just one of the sweetest horses I've ever gotten to work with I've been really amazed at, at her so yeah when you when you first started training her and, and just basically taking her under your, you know, your wing, did you have help from other trainers who had experience working with Mustangs? Cause I know, you know, it's, it's a lot different working with a horse who's been domestic, you know, domesticated and has been handled since they were literally, you know, hit the ground versus, you know, one that you've had to like wrangle up and then just basically put into these corrals and shoots and, and then, you know, that's yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, as, as I said, everyone, all the Mustang people I've met have, have been really helpful. So, so Ann Souders, who got us involved in this, she got me a lot of help through some of the Mustang trainers that she knew. So, so I was able to talk with a couple people on the phone, 
that sort of thing. I didn't really have many Mustang trainers working with me directly. I ride um, back home for a rain cow horse trainer. Um, and so she helped me a little bit. She's, she, years ago, she, she trained a couple of Mustangs. Um, so she, she knows about horse training generally. Um, so I had a little bit of help from her, but, but yeah, not, not as much like hands-on with other Mustang trainers. Um, but as I said, they were really great about talking on the phone. I did take her out to a Mustang trainer's house one day and yeah, I know if I, if I'd called them and wanted to, to take her out for a couple days, even I, I know they would have been really open to that. So, yeah. So, kind of what exactly have you been working with your Mustang with? Like, what kind of things have you been doing? Did you start out with like groundwork and then maybe in hand trail and those kinds of things? And what are your goals with her once you do finally get her completely finished? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I started out with, with the groundwork and, and, um, she honestly I don't think it took her um as long as as some Mustangs that I've heard of to get my arms around her but that did take a couple of days before I started (laughs) um she had a halter on her when I got her so anyway um I I took advantage of that a little bit and um anyway but then once I got my hands on her everything was just went she was really good about everything from there so yeah I started kind of with with groundwork and and getting her to lead around and and lunging around a little bit um and yeah then then I take her out to the trail course and um I got her I I got her ponying so we have a lot of acreage that that we have access to so I think that was really good for just to to get her out and and getting her ponying with other horses and then uh I had yeah I worked on our showmanship um that's something that that you have to compete with and then I worked with her on liberty and I didn't end up using that in my freestyle um, but I still think it, it really tightened her up to me. Um, and that was a big learning curve for me because I'd never really done much Liberty work with a horse before. Um, so that's actually something that, that we worked a lot on that I didn't end up using, but I'm, I'm definitely hoping to use some of that in the future as I, as I keep working with her. So, um, and then as, as far as more goals go, um, so she's, I showed her in the tip challenge competition and she's just a yearling. So next year I plan to start her. And I sing the national anthem horseback sometimes, and she's just been really just good about everything. She doesn't really get scared of things. <laughs> so I think she's going to be a perfect horse to take to big events where there's a lot going on because she kind of likes that when things are happening. She's not a horse that tends to get scared of that kind of thing. Um, so I'm hoping to use her for that and maybe come up with a with a little routine that we do. I think she'll be good to carry a flag and all of that. And then, of course, go back to um, other tip challenge um, competitions because they have open shows at a lot of these things so you can bring mustangs back that you've competed with previously um, and show what you're doing with them now so yeah so um you've talked a little bit about the tip challenges and this year you were the reserve champion at the texas chip challenge um can you kind of you know explain what these challenges are to our listeners who might not have any kind of like understanding of of these these events that happen for the mustangs sure um, the tip challenge program is a, it's a program where someone can, who wants to adopt a wild horse, but doesn't really know how to go about training them can do that. And then the Mustang Heritage Foundation will connect them with the tip trainer. Um, and then they go to Paul's Valley and they pick up their horse and the tip challenge trainers actually get paid through the BLM to do this. It's kind of a neat program. So, um, all that's required for, for a tip horse that someone picks up 
um, is they have to be able to load in the trailer. You have to be able to pick up their feet. They have to lead around. I, yeah, I believe that's it. Um, so anyway, you just basically have to get them broke to where you can handle them. And so the tip challenge, um, it's it's for the tip trainers, um, but they're they're not necessarily training it for another person. Um, they're just showing how much they can get done with these horses on the ground. So, yeah, that's what the that's what the tip challenge is. Do they? Um, I know with like some of the uh, the um, the Mustang makeover challenges, I think they um, don't they put them in a sale afterward. Yes. And there are sales at the tip challenges as well. Yes. Oh, very cool. So yeah. it, do you have, do you have plans to kind of um, continue doing this type of thing with maybe other Mustangs in the future, like competing in the extreme Mustang makeover challenge or just doing more tip stuff? Like, is this something that you see yourself doing a lot in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. I would definitely love to compete at the Mustang makeover at some point. That's kind of become a goal of mine. And, and yeah, I could see myself doing some, some more tip challenges and, and things like that. So, yeah. So you said earlier that you worked with a reined cow horse trainer. How do you think that that has kind of played into your experience with the Mustang and some of your training, you know, routes that you've taken? Yeah, that has helped so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to, to get to ride with her. Her name's Darlene Miller, um, and she's just an incredible horse person. So just the knowledge. I've been riding with her for several years now, um, and I've, I've gotten to help her start some of her colts and, and that kind of thing. So, so, yeah, just that general horse training knowledge, and, um, yeah, that, that has helped a ton with these Mustangs because I think, I don't know, the Mustangs are definitely different and there are definitely things about them that, that you experience that you wouldn't experience with other horses. But I mean, good horse training is, is good horse training. <laughs> um, so I think just, yeah, getting in with a good horse trainer has, has helped me so much. Yeah. I could definitely see how working with somebody, you know, in a specific event type training situation could really help, especially an event such as the rain cow horse could help, mm -hmm. you know, you move along with your training. Nicole also rides bring cow horses. So she has some experience with that. And, you know, the training that goes into those horses is so specific and great. And those horses can cross over into anything. So yeah. applying that to a Mustang who they typically have a different kind of mindset, I believe, and carrying that over into them is really a great idea. So yeah. kudos to you for being able to do that. <laughs> Um, okay, so kind of going off of your current horse and, and your cow horse background, what, you know, there's a lot of people who show horses who come from, you know, different disciplines who, who have a specific horse in mind. Um, but I, I think that the Mustangs are truly overlooked when it comes to being great performance horses and not even that, but just like fantastic trail horses. Cause they're so sure-footed and they're, they're very smart animals. You know, what would be your, um, advice for somebody who isn't sure if, you know, a Mustang is right for them or, you know, have somebody who has no experience with this kind of thing. Cause it's so different from regular horse buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as you said, um, Mustangs are, yeah, they're, they're so sure-footed. They're so versatile. I've seen Mustangs, yeah, written English. I've seen them work cows. <laughs> um, I've seen them be just great ranch horses. Um, but I've also seen them run in and be able to do a sliding stop and, and just turn around really nicely. Um, so yeah, it is amazing how versatile they are and they're just such good minded horses. 
and I, I think, yeah, they, they, you can, you can teach them just about anything. And, and if you have a, a good relationship with them, yeah, they'll, they'll just try as hard as they can at anything. That's what I've seen with my Mustang, at least even things that, that she may not necessarily be particularly talented at. Um, she just tries so hard <laughs> and she'll just do anything I ask her to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Mustangs make great ranch horses because of that, because they'll, they'll just go try whatever, <laughs> whatever you need from them. Um, and I think as there's been some more, um, as Mustangs have been picking up some notoriety, there are some, some areas where, where you can show your Mustangs and, and go do that kind of thing. It, that I don't think, I don't know. I would like to see that maybe get a little bit bigger. I don't think that's as big as it could be at the moment, but that is something that's coming, I think. Um, and yeah, there are definitely areas where you can show Mustangs and, and yeah, there's just so much you can do with these horses. So with showing the Mustangs and you said that they're starting to kind of get some more exposure there, can you talk a little bit more about maybe the associations or the type of events that you're, they're showing the Mustangs in? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, sort of familiar with this area I, I may not be the best person to talk to about the specifics of all this but um at the tip challenges um I I think even at the Mustang makeover shows at a lot of these training competitions um they'll have open shows where people can come back um and and show their Mustang so I would say that's the biggest thing um but I do have a friend who who shows in in certain ranch horse associations who are now allowing Mustangs and she'll go show her Mustang in the raining and and the cow work and everything and and I think they place pretty well so so yeah there there are definitely avenues to to show your Mustangs <laughs> that's really cool I didn't yeah. um I, I guess I didn't realize um that people weren't allowed to show their horse, like it, obviously in breed specific um, associations, like the quarter horse, I understand not having Mustangs, but I would think with like the, if it was just a ranch horse association that they would allow um, any breed of horse to compete in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I think part of it is, is that it's just been recently that, that Mustang owners <laughs> have kind of pursued that a little bit more. Um, so, so yeah, it's just been interesting to, to see that pick up. Um, and maybe even that's more on, on the trainers and the Mustang owners. And, um, but yeah, it, it, from what I've heard, it, it seems like something that's been happening a little bit more frequently. So, so kind of going back to your beginning of riding, obviously when you were at the camp, um, you got a taste for what the Mustangs were like and, and the, um, extreme makeover and all that. But how did you actually get your start in riding? You said you don't come from a horse family. So obviously it's, it's a lot harder to convince a non-horse family. Like I want a horse because <laughs> like, you know, Michaela and I both come from horse families. And so like, it was just kind of thrown into our lives rather than like having to fight to get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know where, where I even saw a horse for the first time. I just, I was just born kind of <laughs> being a horse crazy girl. It was one of the, the crazy little girls you see running around. It's just like, I love horses. <laughs> um, so that was me when I was very little. Um, and then when I was about seven, I convinced my parents to get me horseback riding lessons. Um, they said that we could pick one sport. My brother and I could each pick one sport. And I was like, I want to do horses, which... Anyway, I don't think they, they really saw that coming, but, but they were, they were really good about it. And, and they got me lessons for a year 
And then after a year went by, they said that that they wouldn't pay, or I think it was like two years, so it was a little bit longer than that. Um, and then they they said that that I could keep doing it if I wanted to, but that I would need to pay for the lessons. Um, and so it's like okay, <laughs> um, so I I would fold laundry for a month and then get to go pay for for one 45 minute lesson. <laughs> um, and so I, I started going to a to a barrel horse person at, at that point and so yeah I mean I'd, I'd write about once a month but I, I worked really really hard and if by some chance I got to go twice a month and I was like doing really well like I'm a horse person <laughs> um so anyway I, I just I worked super hard to, to get on them and then my family we we ended up playing a lot of music at cowboy churches and through that there was a cowboy church that was being started in the stockyards um, and, and the pastor was a roper and, and his wife, a rain cow horse trainer, and they heard about our family. Um, and so they, they asked us if we would be willing to come and do the music for this church. And so we got there and, and man, when you haven't, when you want horses that badly, just like anyone who does anything with horses, is just like a superhero. <laughs> so that, that's how I saw anyone who had a horse or, or did anything with horses and, and so when I met them, I was just like, wow, like, these are actual people who, who have horses and train horses. And I just thought it was so cool. Um, so I, I told them about what I was doing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, they heard that, that I was trying to, to pay for lessons and that kind of thing. And they said, well, just come out to the house and, and just ride. Like, like, don't worry about it. Just come and hang out with us. And I couldn't believe <laughs> that, that that was an option, that, that someone would let me come do that. And I had so many bad habits like I mean I I was just a mess <laughs> but they let me come and get on their horses and they taught me a ton um and that kind of they, they've, they've kind of become my horse parents and um yeah just just taught me all kinds of stuff and I've I've ridden with a couple different reining trainers and and I've yeah I've, I've gotten to do a, a few different things now but I I always end up going back to them and and that's for my horses and they they really kind of got me started doing what I do <laughs> I think that's the really cool thing about the horse industry is that there are always those people who are going to take you under your wing uh under their wing um when you know you can't afford it or, or you just you're so desperate for knowledge that they realize it and they want to help those people and I think that's something that's really special about the horse industry I know that um, I've had those people in my life. In fact, the guy that kind of took me under his wing when I was 18 and was in Oklahoma and didn't want to go back home after school was over for the summer, <laughs> you know, he's like my dad now. And, you know, he's, I'm very close with them. And no, I think that's super special that, you know, we have those people in our lives because they truly help us become the horsemen and women that we are. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Leah. You know, Michaela and I are so brand new to the Mustang um, background and just, you know, we want to learn as much as we can about different horses and what people are doing with them because I think it is, like we have said throughout this whole interview, these horses are so special and it really, I'm so glad that we can help shine a light on them and help people understand how special they are and hopefully maybe inspire them to look into local clubs and associations and just ways to get involved or even just work with a professional who has a background in it. So thank you again for coming on here and, and just sharing your story. Um, and if anybody is actually interested in learning more about Mustangs and how they can get involved, 
Um, Mustang Heritage Foundation has a great website with all sorts of information on there that'll help you kind of get a start on, you know, what to do and how to get involved. And their website is mustangheritagefoundation.org. So be sure to check it out. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. We would once again like to thank the Mustang Heritage Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.